Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. My guest today is Chen Monshine, who is the writer of Game of Thrones and the Medieval Art of War. And uh, well, he has the on top com. Sorry if I've screwed that up a little bit. But today we're going to have an interesting episode as a new show host of host of the Dragons came out. We're going to discuss parallels in real history that inspired Game of Thrones, as the title of this episode says. Because we are there's a lot of parallels and a lot of real quite a significant lot that is George R. R. Martin got inspired from the show that casual viewers and not necessarily history buff like myself have thought about. And uh, before we start with that, I want to ask, how how did you end up studying the medieval era in, in the first place? Uh, everyone asked me that, and it's, it's, it's kind of like my own particular autism, I guess. It's my mm. own particular uh, little obsession. So it's, it's, it's something I've been into since I was a little kid and sort of uh, organize my life around it hmm. so um yeah that's how it came to it you know i grew up in new york city and we had a bunch of medieval museums or museums with medieval art we had the you know that rich people brought back to the states in the 19th century late 19th century to show you know that they were as classy as their european um aristocratic counterparts and the you know you see it it's sort of like something from a world apart and you kind of it's very very different from my kind of you know working class upbringing and then also it was a bit of escape from you know the concrete you know the concrete and asphalt of new york Mm. so um yeah i really yeah so been sort of obsessed with that sort of thing since a very young age Mm. And a lot of people pointed out, both me and I think in general, that there, like you said, there's a lot of parallels to real world history, medieval history as Martin, that is Martin's obsession as well, I think. And we're going to dive into that now. And I want to, a friend of mine pointed out to me that, you know, the Targaryens, we agreed, pretty much are the Normans. And, but the first men are kind of the Celts, right? And, the Andals in the show is kind of Anglo-Saxons. Is, is that correct? Is there is that a, is that mean, a correct analog, analogy? I mean, yeah. I mean, to to the to whatever extent that these are, you know, these these labels that we give these ethnic groups are, you know, because this is all like nineteenth-century historiography. I don't know, if, you know, the Picts and the Celtic peoples. And remember, they were sort of not. They were. It's not quite parallels because remember the Celts of Britain had been a Roman colony. And so they were sort of, uh, they're Christianized and Romified, but Martin has them as sort of like pagans, you know, in a very romantic sense. And so they've been Christianized and Romanized, but, um, and then, you know, these successive waves of invasion clearly uh, inspired, but also kind of fits into this sort of neat 19th century ethnogenesis, I think, mm. um, which is a little inaccurate in some ways. Mm. So let's talk about the Targaryens here, because as you said, they are Normans. And I had I really trying to find a... I don't think it was the current series, but his father, or was it grandfather? I'm not quite sure that he is kind of more or less a William the Conqueror. Is that correct? Well, that would be Aegon, right? Aegon. Yeah. But of course, the very, it was a very different situation. 
um, between William the Conqueror, because it was actually a succession question, whereas the way Martin framed Aegon's conquest, it was a, a bunch of, of different things. And, you know, it's almost like more like the, the conquest of Ireland with client kings and getting like involved in things. But um, yeah, this was, this was, um, you know, and, and, and Black Heron and Heron Hall and all these different, um, all these different things. Um, so it's not, not quite the same parallel. There's a bit of invented history there, but the, what's interesting to me about the, the prequel book, right? The, you know, the, uh, whatever, whatever the heck it's, what it's called, uh, so, so my world of ice and fire. Um, and it's, it's related material. What, what really strikes me is that he wrote it to have the sound of history that he's got these sort of invented primary sources, you know, various chronicles and accounts and things like that. And that's sort of like how we do history is we read these primary sources, we read these things and we, um, you know, we, we read these things and um, some are more or less trustworthy and, you know, Martin has his invented Septon Eustace and then mushroom the court jester who's like almost like a little procopius the guy who chronicled mm. somewhat unreliably um justinian theodore's court back in the sixth century in byzantium but you know he's 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 playing at these sources as, as sort of unreliable narrators and so it's a, a nifty little invention because he's not just inspired by history but by history writing mm. And that yeah, it's fasc- It was fascinating. I haven't read the the book, the prequel book. I I read the first book, but I haven't read the prequel book yet. I plan to, but you know, it's it's inter- That's why we have the time jump in the show, right? Because it's written like a chronicle, that and that explains why we have this time jump in the prequels, right? Yeah, yeah. This this is that that time jump. You know, like in like in real life, and that's like I, mm. I find the time jump to be very interesting. Um, too, because it's because it, it's a risk for the showrunners because okay, they've established these actors as playing these characters, and the question is then, can these other actors embody those characters in such a way that it doesn't mess with the suspension of, of um, disbelief? So it's a it's a bit of a narrative risk, but it's very interesting because you've got like five episodes with the one act, you know, the one actors, and then you jump and you got the different actors. Hmm. So, what what else from the Targaryens can we see that kind of mirrors? We agree that they are norm, more or less the Normans, but is there anything cool. else we kind of can see that they they mirror real life? Yeah, except the, course, the, the Normans, you know, definitely had more of a central government. It had there was less less uh, leeway for for a large, you know, for not not entirely right, but you did have you know things like roving kings, justices, and things like that. Um, a little more, I guess, a little more leeway to the the various great houses in in Westeros, but um, the Targaryens. I mean, what's interesting is 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 that um, the Dance of the Dragons, right, which is the subject of um, the subject of of, of 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 the prequel series of House of the Dragon. That kind of kind of sort of mirrors um the hundred years war i mean it's not between you know two different countries but the whole thing is set off by a question of can you know you inherit well in real life it was can you inherit through a woman right um edward's uh grandmother i believe was the uh 
was the uh was the daughter but um but there's also um you know there, there's those questions and then of course it's essentially a civil war for uh for power and then of course you know the main the war of the five kings and the main line of, of um you know song of ice and fire slash game of thrones that is a uh in many ways inspired by um the the, the um war of the roses mm. where you had different contenders for, for the crown so certainly you know there's there's a lot of historical inspiration there of course martin's a big history nerd but of course you know one has to say that this of course is not history history doesn't always resolve into neat little narratives to be fair you know song yeah. of ice fire slash game of thrones isn't a neat little narrative but it is a um you know but but um it, it's definitely takes takes a lot of inspiration i wonder if the reason why is because certain stories keep recurring right or simply that just the plot twists in history are so you know just so inherently interesting and you know maybe it's the it's the callbacks certainly history nerds like enjoy the callbacks but also um i think you can find a lot of just a lot of good narrative ideas and a lot of good story ideas in history imagine the william the contrary riding over britain with a dragon I'm sorry. Imagine William the Contrary riding over Britain with a dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely William the Conqueror and you know Aegon. You know William the Conqueror, Aegon the Conqueror. Certainly they are uh, parallels in some way. Um, mm-hmm. And um, of course, you know William's conquest of England didn't start off a whole new, new dating system. And of course, you know William did not conquer Scotland, which I guess you know the North is Scotland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't hold hold true, but certainly um, in some ways, Westeros is 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 medieval England writ yeah. larger. You know, yeah. I mean, I I have a Game of Thrones risk version myself at home, and when you look at the map, you can clearly see that it does resemble Britain quite a lot in 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 the map, even though it's and I think it's the same as we look at the map of Westeros and Google, right? It's does really resemble Great Britain. <laughs> Yeah, in some ways, right? It's this big mass, but it's bigger. And, and I think that's just so Anglo-centric, right? In the, in the sense that, um, you know, that, that <laughs> you know, for Americans and for British people too, like, you know, there's, there's an old British, British um, headline, uh, Fog and Channel, Continent Cut Off, right? Mm. And, and, and this just like, there's no, nothing, but, you know, everything is, is, is jolly old England and people are like, oh yes, we're, we're sure there was some French medieval history in there too. But of course you look at all the media, like the French and the Germans and the Italians are just, you know, people with funny accents. Yeah. So it's a little, uh, yeah, it's a little, little bizarre. So. Hmm. But so, so since the Targaryens again are the Normans, does that technically make the make the Baratheons slash the Lannisters the Plantagenets some in some way? Plantagenets, Plantagenets. Plant, yeah, does are they um, technically the, the medieval the Game of Thrones version of the Plantage Plantagenets? I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Um, I mean those came um from from the Normans. Well, they they were uh, they the, the Plantagenets came from you know um. Uh, from Anjou, right? And they they actually took yeah you know, they took over in 1154. So it was actually, you know, not it was actually quite you know quite a bit after. Um, and 
he uh you know he you know he um control you know he it's not not quite the same i don't think the plantagenets are the right um way of looking at it. i think a better way of looking at it would actually be there was there was actually um before the hundred years war right um mm. it was henry the fourth um and uh i think a better way of looking at it would be um you know if, if you looked at uh looked at um Hen- you know henry you know henry the fourth of england henry, henry bolenbroke um who they were related of course through john of gaunt to the um to the royal line but you know he and um so you know he wasn't completely outside of that right but yeah the Baratheons were you know just one of the we're one of the great houses um but it's, it's more i think it's more similar to that and of course then you know henry you know henry, then there's henry v um mm. right and then you know henry v um was uh was you know rather uh was you know rather popular and he succeeded by um you know um henry the sixth and then of course when you know after after he dies then you know he got edward the fourth and then after edward the fourth dies i'm trying to remember all of them of course um and um and edward the fourth you know came you know um the question was like, you know, who who's gonna succeed? Um, you know, who's gonna succeed? Uh, you know, Henry the Sixth and a whole bunch of different things, like the big secession crisis. Um, you don't really, you, you know, you do you do have episodes in the in the War of the Roses where you know the exiled king is he's exiled to France and he comes back and um, takes over, right? And this happens. It, this happens, you know, in history too. Like there is there is the um, after the deposition of um James the second there um was especially in um what do you call them the the Stuart the Stuart loyalists right yeah um what do they call them Stuart um um Jacobins Jacobins right from Jacobins from James of course the Jacobins so I'm sorry, my brain is not. I'm recently. That's fine. Don't worry. I went. My, I went through a bit of a personal tragedy, and my my brain is not firing on all cylinders. So that's fine. Don't worry about it. So, um, yeah. So that's what. That's what happened. Hmm. Anyway, so, yeah. Uh, I'll, let's talk talk about the the it was in the beginning of Game of Thrones series and the. I mean, I haven't, like you said, I haven't read the book, the book of the prequels, so so I can't really talk too much about it, and it would kind of spoilerish, spoilerish as well for the show. So don't want to go too much into the prequels right now. It's, but but let's go with the start of the show, and then and then the Tarakian clan. We talked about this before before the recording. We started recording the podcast, and you said. We, I said I have a real mongrel kind of vibe from the Dothraki. Is that is that some, I'm a way off here, or is, is yeah. it more or less right? Yeah. So the Mongols. I mean, he said that you know to some degree they're inspired by um, the Mongols, also by um, Native Americans, Great Plains Native Americans like the Cheyenne or the Sioux. 
to some, but I think in a lot of ways the Dothraki and this sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like this romanticized, like ultra-violent society, isn't it? Mm. In many ways, I think of them as also inspired by like the Hells Angels or an American biker gang. Mm. Yeah. They're like, they're like um, you know, almost like um, a criminal syndicate of uh, central Essos. So, um, and there's a lot to that because of course, and they don't, you know, Martin doesn't really go into the, the details of Mongol society, which is really interesting. Um, like the, the men, yeah, they made war and rode horses and hunted um, and shot bows and wrestled. But they, the women did all the trade and the economic activity. And he doesn't really kind of show that. He's just, he, he makes it such a patriarchal, male-dominated society without really looking at how important women and women's economic activity was to that society. Mm. So... You can't really say, you know, without that, you can't really say, oh, yeah, it was based on the Mongols, whereas the, the Mongols had this very unique social organization. But it's more or less Mongols, right? The, the, the Westeros, uh, free, or slash free cities, the version of the of the Mongols, right? Mm-hmm. But it is kind of Westeros slash the free cities version of, of the Mongols. Though. Yeah. I mean, very romanticized in many mm. ways. Mm. So, and something I, I kind of thought about, I think it was Crassus, the, you know, the one that faced the Spartan rebellion in, in ancient time, and a few episodes in in the first season of the series, Spartacus. Spartacus. Brothers. Spartacus. Spart- you mean Spartacus, right? Yeah, no, Marius Crassus, the one who defeated Spartacus, the right, Roman right. senator, and Right. You, said, say, you, said, yeah. you said you said Sparta. I uh, yeah, no, well, Sparta. Yeah, no, never mind. Not, not actual yeah, but, Sparta in the Peloponnese. Yeah. So, so Viserys he, in the sh- first season, I think it's Viserys as his Daenerys brother. He dies with a drone when he wants stone crown and the child Drogo. He puts his yeah. melt stroll and he put it put over his head. It's not a reference to kind of crush his death because it, he dies in the same way, don't he? He dies. With the, I, I don't remember who the name of the tribe that does this is the Battle of Kare, I think. They mm-hmm. they pulled gro- gro- melted gold over Cross's face and he dies that way after the, he defeated is defeated in the in the battle. I think. Is there a connection here or um I think it's just like um yeah, because you know, he he was um yeah, his his head was like cut you know cut cut off right mm. um he he was actually killed um in sort of a, a skirmish um right which um were with the parthians right yeah um so it's not really um you know that that was i i don't know was someone anyone like actually killed i mean it's it's, it's i'm sure it was actually happened right yeah I think uh, that there were. I'm pretty sure. I don't. I'm not quite sure course. if it was Crassus though. There was a Roman senator. I remember. I think it was a part. I think I'm pretty sure it was Crassus. I'm not quite sure. I can be wrong here. You, you're probably right. But not yeah. just just a Manius Yeah. Yeah. Who? Um, Manius. Well, Manius Aquilius, right? Yeah. Um. Was uh was uh killed. He was he was of course, um. He was, he was, he had that, um, happened to him, um, uh, but Mithridates VI of, um, mm. Pontus had molten yeah. gold, 
So there was that, right? And then uh, Valerian supposedly um, was executed um, that way. But yeah, it it sounds good, right? That this sounds just mm. really um, sounds all uh, you know, nor you know, normal, right? Um, also, like a uh, Spanish governor in fifteen ninety nine. Apparently, I'm just googling yeah. this. And Ecuador had that. So mm. this is yeah. So, and this is not a strong crown, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be a horrible way to die, right? Mm. Yeah, there was there was a lot of a horrible way to die in the middle medieval era. To be fair, yeah, I mean, they they thought of all sorts of wonderful ways to uh, to kill people. Mm. Uh, it was pretty horrible. So something that you know, as we see, and I'm I'm gonna do a little bit back and forth in the show as well. There's a lot, of course, a lot of we have to talk, discuss here. That and something that we see, and I don't remember the battle in the Game of Thrones. I think it's season two or three. I'm pretty sure that's where where uh, Joffrey has to be a general of the battle and use dragon fire in the show. That's a resem- and again, that's a resemblance to great fire, right? Which which the Byzantines. How that's kind of yeah, yeah. That is um, without question a reference to uh, well, not Joffrey. Yeah, I mean it was more Tyrion, right? It was doing that mm. uh, the Battle of the Blackwater. Yeah, it's definitely a reference to uh, Greek fire, and you know they they use that to great effects. You know, in the Crusades and elsewhere, um, it's also as an anti ship weapon. Of course, the um, you know the the sort of ma- their magic Greek fire burns, you know, is even more horrific than the the original version. Mm. So, um, but yeah, that was definitely inspired by real life. Again, just, you know, stuff is really, um, really, uh, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people can do really bad stuff. Is, is the battle itself an inspiration of anything or is that just pure, pure fiction to battle yeah um i mean anything really if you think about it the you know the the story of constantinople you know any any or the, the attack of constantinople during uh was it the fourth crusade when the venetians took it but yeah there's a uh, all sorts of um i mean especially the whole chain across the um across the bay um it took a live inspiration from historical battles all, all of them really do of course, there's a lot more battles in Game of Thrones than there were in the actual Middle Ages for reasons I discussed in my book. Yeah. Because, um, you know, medieval warfare was essentially, you know, siege warfare was very important. Hmm. No, so, something, I mean, you, you thought about this as well, and this is not Game of Thrones, but Tolkien would, of course, be an own episode of its own, but I think it was, uh, and at the end, I'm poor. It's been a while since I've seen the Lord of the Rings, but there is the bat- battle in the second book, the final battle, battle, battle. I think it's uh, the one where the orcs. That's that one is inspired. Pardon? Yeah, but, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's inspired. That one was inspired by the forty fifty three siege of Constantinople, right? Yeah, I, I, I do think it, it it was in 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 many ways. The the difference is, I mean the. Orcs pull up this big battering ram, right? But mm. of course, you know they've got uh, Gandalf, and you know there's Nazgul, and of course, you know, mm. unlike in Constantinople, like you know the relief force arrives. That's what actually happens. But of course, Constantinople was um, 
not just cannon fire, but also direct siege, right? Direct, um, mm. direct assault. So, yeah, yeah. I just want to mention that briefly as well. It's, as well, I, I thought it was uh, yeah. kind, of, kind of interesting and sort of relatable to the to the episode. But something that I kind of thought about as as we discussed this, and I want, wanted to bring this up, is that the the watch, the Night's Watch in I think that was the girl. It's been a while since I've seen the show show now, and I do apologize for that. But the the world in by the end of the end of Westeros before the Wildlings is that kind of inspired by Hadrian's world. It has to be right. Yeah. It has to be Hadrian's yeah. world. He very very clearly uh, says it is like this whole idea of this wall at the end of the world, right? And then um, it's almost like a prison colony, but they really have something. Of like a military order about them too, mm. so yeah. So they really have a something like almost like a crusader order or something about them too. So it's, I find that really interesting mm. that they uh, that they do that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good. It's, he puts together a bunch of things, but it's um, he puts together a bunch of things, but it's um, it's very it's it's very. Um, Creative, in yeah. ways. Sorry, mind wandering again. The way he, the way he does that. Um, yeah, he's very. Um, yeah. And so. I just thought of this, and in in later seasons we see Arya visiting Bravos in the free cities, and we will come back to the free cities as well, which where she meets up with this faceless gang in, and she tra- trains with them. Are are they kind of? The the assassins and the Islamic sect during yeah. Saladin's time are they, are they kind of like like the assassins? Um, in some ways, I mean, Bravos itself really, of course, is very Venice. It really, you know, mm. smells of Venice. But the um, the, the 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 faceless men. I mean, they're just this kind of like you know, they're they're really weird. But yeah, they do. I mean, any any assassins and they are assassins is going to. Mm-hmm. Um, remind us of the the Hashishi who were uh, uh, actually come from the um, a, a, Sunni, a, a Shia sect called the Ismaili or the, mm-hmm. the Twelvers, um, who did have um, almost millennialist beliefs about um, the bloodline of Muhammad, the return of um, you know the return of a descendant of Ali. Um, but they are, um, but you know the you know in this case they're religious cult based around gods of death so you know they're a cool little fantasy world because obviously you know the hashishi didn't um put on different faces and of yeah. course they're you know they're also they're learning actually from using um cannabis yeah to reach, you know an ecstatic state supposedly um so obviously the faceless men don't do that but they do do a whole bunch of other stuff but they are kind of like this sort of like ultra you know they're they're kind of ninja in some way too i mean you gotta mm-hmm. say like Okay, they're they even like, tried to assassinate Aladdin. Sorry, not Aladdin, but Saladin at some point as well, right? Yeah, Saladin, yeah. and you know, just a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. So, so and, yeah. Sorry, you were you were going to say. Yeah, that's it. And while we're talking about Islamic history in Game of Thrones, the Daenerys and I, and I do not remember what they're called again. I'm sorry, sorry if I'm really poor at remembering the names sometimes, but. 
she gets this slave army at at one point in the show. That oh, area, the well, yeah. And and I, I kind of feel like are they inspired by the Janissaries or Mamluks? So somewhat um, in some ways, but also, um, I mean, I can't think of any historical eunuch armies, but certainly, you know, in some ways, Janissaries. Mm. But yeah, there's definitely a sort of like vaguely. I mean, the thing is about about the East, right? That in many ways, Essos is a very Orientalist creation right there's mm. an there's an old and rather racist expression in english the wog start in calais wog being an old and uh rather racist term for anyone not white yeah uh, and if here they're saying basically you know we're the we're the we're the british we're the english and everybody you know from france on down is is basically weird you know some weird easterner and like the, you can even extend that sort of racism to italy or even Spain, they're too uh, Oriental, they're too Southern, they're too, they're Latin. Yeah. So this whole idea of the, of the East, right? This whole mm. idea of, you know, that's where they're eunuchs, right? They castrate people because a lot of yeah. castrate Westeros too, but, um, but this whole idea of like a eunuch army there, yeah, they do sort of smell like Janissaries, but also, you know, eunuchs were, um, I mean, the train come from <laughs> children, right? The castrated as children, the train, from that's all I know, the soldiers, and the same with the janissaries, and what was yeah. supposed to be a Mamluk army, which kind of was an experiment go wrong, you can say. And yeah. they, it kind of feels that they were, you know, a, kind of a janissary core of the game, world of Game of Thrones. Right. Um, yeah, well, the, you know, the, the Mamluk certainly like this, you know, military um, slavery, right? But um, but they were also um, there. There's, there's a lot of interest, you know. There's a lot of interesting aspects to that. Of um, but the the whole castration thing, right? The whole eunuchs, right? Eunuchs. Listen, mm. I'm more interested in the fact that they're eunuchs than the fact that they were. So, then they're a slave army, so they're a slave eunuch army. You know, nothing like that ever existed, right? No one would do mm. that. But there were eunuchs who were, you know, harem guards and things like that, that they were sort of, you know, domestic um, enslaved people um, in China, in um, in uh, in China, in, uh, in in the Ottoman Empire and elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. And also while... Uh... Well, we are on the free in the, on the side of the free cities. There are uh, you, you mentioned that Brow is a kind of Venice, and the whole free cities are kind of inspired by medieval medieval Italy, right? There are several. They are there. It wasn't united until yeah. the war in in the nineteenth century, and it was it's kind of like like Venice, like you said, Bravus is, which uh, yeah. and the, the different cities that we see, they are kind of medieval Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah, they they are, and like the you know, especially like the mode of warfare, like these mercenary companies. Mm. So, yeah. So, like these, you know, these mercenary, um, you know, that's I find that very interesting. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, he takes a lot of inspiration, right? The whole idea of a sellsword. Um. You know, and sort of the essential disunity there, and it's funny too because you know they're they're presenting like. Um, Westeros is maybe more unified, but really, you know, Italy wasn't really more or less disunified than the rest of um, 
Europe in some, at least in some periods, right? Some cases, you know, a little more. Um, but yeah, they, you know, large kingdoms started, you know, we hindsight's 2020 and large kingdoms appeared in France and, you know, in England and Spain after Ferdinand and Isabella, right? They started more, you know, centralized monarchies, if you would, but not so much in Italy, but it's also partially because I, I, um, Italy was, besides having these various dynasties that had their own city-states, and, you know, this traditional Italian disunity, but of course there were also, you know, the battleground for the rest of Europe in many ways, hmm. uh, from this, you know, late 15th through the 16th century and on. Yeah. And, of course, we have to talk about the elephant in the room and some events of the show. And uh, there are some, one I want to begin with, which I think you know which one I mean, the infamous Red Wedding. The Red Wedding, right, with the so black with that's, Yeah, right? that's the that's inspired by the Scottish event, Black Diner, as you said. So let's talk about the Red Wedding for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. How, how did it take inspiration from? And that's still controversial to this day in Scotland, right? The Black Diner, it's still controversial to this day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was um, a very, you know, it was... You know the 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 heads of the the Douglas clan um, were uh, were killed right by uh, James II Stuart James II of of Scotland right he wasn't this was you know, well before he was uh, crowned James II of England uh, and I mean sorry James II you know James II let me I can look it up with uh, James II of England was what number of uh oh he's james the seventh right he mm. as um of scotland so this is you know five james's period previously in the 15th century you know you know come and dine with me and they kill him so mm. yeah so what 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 uh, and jeffrey himself he he has to be inspired by some real Joffrey, King Joffrey, yeah, yeah, Joffrey yeah, Barat, yeah, well, yeah. He has to be inspired by some some monarch, right? Psycho kids. I mean, he's sort of a Caligula, really. I mm. think he's he strikes me as like a Caligula or even a Nero. But no one was. Really, I mean, remember their view of, of of Caligula and also of Nero was very influenced by Suetonius, who was a hostile later chronicler. Um, and so, like, we can't really know. You know, was he really that bad or was he just trying to, you know, adopt sort of like an Eastern style Roman emperorship, mm. which didn't really take off till like really after uh, like, you know, really after Vespasian. But, um, yeah, he, he's got more of a Caligula feel to me because I don't think any medieval monarch would have been tolerated to be so, frankly, you know, not so and and decadent quite not quite as as much but also you know there's a great deal of invention there because well you know the kid's a sociopath right yeah so um but you know it's all it's all it's for the sake of storytelling right Mm. now something that we i I thought it would be worth mentioning as well is that john snow in 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 the westeros in in the sorry in i I don't remember in the north, bastards, and he explains this in the book as well. He in the first picture, place, the bastard would be called snow, and then they would be called I don't something flowers else in the otherwise. Or, you know, yeah. Stone. What yeah. was 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 this like? The well, like it in in the real world, medieval medieval era as well, and well, pretty much up to date that bastards okay. would be called something. 
Well, you, you got to realize people didn't have surnames in the Middle Ages, right? That that's mm. more, you know, you'd be like James, you know, tall James or, you know, other James or James from across, you know, from the other side of the river or, you know, James Franklin or James, uh, you know, from Lincoln, right? So something mm. like that. Um, so the entire idea of having a surname, right? And family names and that's, that's it. But you got to remember, most people didn't really have surnames. Um, if you're a well-born bastard, then you might actually have like estates settled on you, right? That people who were like, you know, bastard, acknowledged bastards of rich people. I mean, you know, poor people didn't necessarily need surnames. Um, and of course you take your mother's surname in later times. Um, if you're, you know, or, you know, if you were married, you'd be assumed to be to, uh, you know, your father, you know, the woman's husband would of course be assumed to be your father, lacking paternity tests, but, um, no, that, that never really happened. That's, a uh, it's something fanciful. Um, I think the biggest mistake is that people think that people from the middle ages had. Yeah. Surgeons. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I was trying to say something. I'm, uh, I, I just had, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue right now. And, uh, but I just seem to forget, forgotten it right now. But if, if there is, and that's, that's, and it's here, I think. And before you go, is there, is there before, where would, if you had a chance to live in Westeros, if, where would you live if you had a chance? Uh, someplace with running water and soap. <laughs> um, probably. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, could I even survive in Westeros? You know, do I have the knowledge of, would my knowledge be useful? Yeah. Uh, make a, make a living. I guess someplace where I could, you know, survive and make a living you know mm. but you know with whatever small mm. skills i have i think that a lot of people think that they'd they'd be do very well in the middle ages oh i'm a handy guy i can put stuff together but really you wouldn't be in the middle ages because a lot of what you know how to do is contingent on modern technology right could you yeah. make you can make furniture but can you make furniture without power tools you know so much of this is so much of, of what you know how to do is mm not suited to the medieval mm. yes i'm re- i'm reading a book as uh, five volumes set on on the history of norway right now and i'm on the eighth 19th century and it's uh it's a lot is i'm currently reading about diseases and even in the 19th century there is a lot of like diseases a lot of you know the it wasn't really comfortable you children had to work from morning till evening on a night shift and you know you think you think you i'm pretty sure you should be happy living in the era in the 21st century because you know there's a lot of things i think we take for granted that we, even if you go back yeah, 100 yeah. years it's still it was still not kind of a miserable place to live in more or less yeah antibiotics and shit right mm. but antibiotics uh safe childbirth anesthesia yeah yeah so i think there's a lot of things we take for granted that we uh, that we have in today's world that we probably couldn't live without if we traveled back to the back in time to the night even even as far back as 19th century unless we were you became a rich aristocrat you know somehow yeah yeah and like you know we still have more material wealth you know you and i as middle class Mm people living in the west um yeah yeah people um you know in the west like we actually have more wealth more material goods than even medieval kings 
just because you know the productivity of our our economy is so much higher. Yeah, yeah. So before you go, do you have in touch with Samus for coming on? Do you have where can people yeah. buy your book if they if they are interested in reading Game of Thrones and the medieval art of war, or find your website if you wanted to put it in the description is there any links any social media where people might find you that you want me to put it in the description yeah sure uh ken my website's kenmunshine.com um you can follow the links get to my books from there uh my game of thrones book is game of thrones in the medieval art of war and um you may also be interested in my book on the history of timekeeping technology and concepts on time published by johns hopkins university press Thank you so much for coming on this show. It's been a pleasure to have you on and talk about real events that inspired Game of Thrones. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, check out some of the other episodes. There is plenty of episodes I'm sure you're going to find interesting. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you're on Apple iTunes, please consider leaving a review. That would help us out a lot. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you can find podcasts these days. And now please like, share and subscribe again and I'll see you next time.